And God said? Amen. Oh, I thought he was going to say, bring Josh oxygen. <laughs> My scripture this mor morning is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles on page 192 in the New Testament section. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died. So that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, who will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. It's important to recognize that as Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, that there is a sense of desire and a, des a, a sense of waiting, an expectation of Jesus' second coming, and is, is, is excited about this, month, this moment. And in this place, on this celebration as a congregation, we together stand in gratitude and reverence not only to commemorate the sacrifices of those who have served, but to draw inspiration from the timeless wisdom found in the sacred scriptures. It's in this place that we find a source of hope, a place of resilience and the promise of new beginnings, not just endings. When we think of this historical context of the first Thessalonians, written to embolden a beleaguered church, beleaguered church, facing challenges, we, we draw parallels to the struggles that our veterans have faced and continue to face. The call to persist in a new way of life, even when the power of God might seem distant, resonates with the experiences of those who have served in the armed forces, navigating the complexities of duty and sacrifice. This power that we talk about in the first Thessalonians, this per parousia, the, the second coming of Christ, takes on profound and poignant significance as we are here today honoring those brave men and women who have served our nation in times of conflict and war with the anticipation of a brighter future. Unshackled by the burdens of strife and conflict, this resonates with the hope encapsulated in the vision that Paul shares to his church. Our veterans, much like the early converts Paul addressed, have navigated the treacherous waters of uncertainty. 
face the pressing question of when or even if they would return home. The echoes of that uncertainty, the haunting specter of an uncertain future mirror the very essence of Paul's message. In the face of war's unpredictability, Paul's assurance becomes a powerful anchor. The belief that the Lord will personally descend from heaven, <laughs> heralding a new dawn, and a future untainted by the horrors of conflict resonates deeply within the hearts of those who have served. Now we collectively embark today and throughout this weekend on this solemn journey of saying goodbye to our friends and colleagues, our, our family men, members who have valiantly served, the difficulty of those who final of those final farewells becomes a thread that binds us all to one another. The weight of uncertainty carried by the veterans, the knowledge that each goodbye might be the last, is a burden that transcends time and experience. But I would challenge that in this message from Paul, it, this message can act as a soothing balm, offering solace and hope that extend beyond the immediate pain of parting. Paul's words affirm our collective belief in a power that transcends the temporal struggle of this world. They echo in the hearts of veterans who have witnessed those moments, whose commitment to something is greater than themselves, who is etched in the fabric of our nation's history. Veterans, your service embodies a profound commitment to the ideals that define our nation. Ideals of freedom justice in the pursuit of a better future. It's in that place that your sacrifices form an intricate tapestry woven with the threads of dedication and courage. And it is in this sacrifice that a profound connection to the eternal hope embedded in Paul's vision is revealed. Your commitment to something greater than yourself resonates deeply with the promise of a new dawn. An assurance that transcends the uncertainties of this world. Let's acknowledge the profound link between your sacrifices and the eternal hope found in these sacred scriptures. The promise of a new dawn embedded in Paul's vision becomes a guiding light for us all. The promise inspires and compels us to strive for a world marked by enduring peace, justice, and freedom. A world that not only recognizes, but actively honors the sacrifices of our veterans and our families. And in the face of your unwavering commitment to these noble ideals, we find a living testament to the very principles that have shaped this country. Now I'm going to sound like a nerd. This isn't the first time that these messages have been preached to the church. In the, in the first century, you're talking to a church that was fighting against tyranny from the Roman Empire. 
In the second century, it continues to a point where they're, they're afraid to say that they're Christian for fear of being arrested and being persecuted and being thrown into the pits for the Colosseum. By the time that we get to the fifth century, the, the church at this time is still struggling with what does it mean to be a Christian? Now we have, we have writings from that time frame. One of those writings is from uh, a, a scholar by the name, let me find him now, uh, Philocenus of Hierapolis. That sounds like a really fancy name. Just, just call him Philo. He inspires the Eastern Orthodox Church, but in the 450s, he talks about what is it that makes us connected to God in our grief. He uncovers a source of reassurance that extends beyond it. He writes in such a way that resonates as a divine calling, a call not to grieve as the rest of humanity within this divine perspective, death transforms into a profound slumber, a state made possible by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That transforming nature alters the perceived finality of death and becomes a transitional phase and the promise of resurrection emerges as a radiant beacon of hope. Now you would think that in the 21st century, we would get it. Paul himself says to the church in the moments that we know that Jesus dies for us, but he rises for us as well. That should give us moments of hope, but yet we find ourselves in doom and gloom and fear. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those weird moments of the year as a pastor that we find ourselves trying to, to walk a fine line of what is the message that we want to portray today. One is, you know, I have extremely close feelings to it. My father, both of my grandfathers, my great-grandfathers, my great-great-grandfathers, my grandmothers, all of my family, my brother-in-law, my sister, have all served in the military. Death is an inevitability. And at the same time, my family is a little unique in the sense that my family, for some reason, served as chaplains in those places. And I asked my dad and others, what was it like to be in those moments? And dad says, well, I just had to figure out what it meant to be a non-anxious spiritual presence. To be the beacon of hope when there didn't seem to be any. Kind of Put you speechless, right? It's hard for me because a year ago, Gunner died. And I didn't get to grieve. He passed away, for those of you that don't know, a lifelong friend of mine named Bill Ooten, who was uh, a master chief in the Navy, who was uh, probably one of the biggest influences in my life decided to uh, descend upon me and 
start coming to church and, uh, and then had the audacity to die. And I remember as we were, as he found out that he was sick and he was dealing with the end of his existence, he was, he would sit there and he'd say, now listen, Josh, it's going to be okay. You don't need to worry. I, I don't want a service. I don't want a, a funeral. I just want to be cremated and I want my ashes to be cast aside. Now here's the part that blew me away. In the place that I served our country and I felt connected to God at the same time. In Adak, Alaska. And I said, well, thank God your kids will take, him, take you and not me. He said, Josh, while you're at it, make sure they take my dog's ashes with me. I'll tell them. Gunner was amazing. 32 years in the military, and he served in all types of places and loved to tell the story of his faith through all of those experiences. As he served as an elder at his churches, as he served as a chaplain's aide on board ship. And those of you that knew him had know that he had, well, a very, rather colorful sailor's language. I think about him often as we come to that time of celebrating our veterans. And I hear those moments of hope from Gunner and from veterans that I've been honored to be a part of in their life. It feels amazing when they feel comfortable enough to talk with you just about small things. And the connections that we make between their faith journey and their military one. It's in those places that we find a common thread that binds us all together. And the Apostle Paul writes these words that transcend the temporal. They become more than mere words. They evolve into a profound source of hope. Anchoring our souls in the enduring promises of Christ. Now, I did think it was funny that as I was doing the study for this sermon, that the interpreter's Bible drew an interesting, compelling parallel between 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and the soul-stirring African-American spirituals. It talks about how these melodies woven with coded apocalyptic imagery echo the dual themes of ultimate redemption and the struggle for liberation in the present. It's like a musical counterpart to Paul's message. They serve as a testament to the resilience of the human spirit in the face of adversity. Paul's words similarly function as a double-edged sword. They offer hope for the future, a promise of eternal redemption, while imparting resolve and encouragement for our earthly pilgrimage. Now, I could talk a long time about this. But here's what I want us to take away from today. And you'll have to excuse the, the Navy uh, ties. 
let us anchor, sorry, I had to say it, ourselves in the enduring hope intricately woven into the fabric of these sacred scriptures. As we find ourselves anchored, regardless of the trials that we face and the seas that seem to take over the sides of the ship, whether they seem to be personal or communal, and they seem as though the hurricane that comes around and is ready to swamp us. The promise of Jesus does, takes care of those moments. It does not beckon us toward an end. Instead, it invites us to fair seas and calm waters into a realm of new beginnings. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ serve as an unwavering foundation as we press forward in faith, confident in a hope that transcends the boundaries of time and space. And the part that I want you to take from this morning is, is that this hope is not a fleeting sentiment, but a steadfast assurance that guides us through the challenges of our earthly journey. Amen.